I do it for the culture, I do it for the people, I do it for the love of it. I do it for the culture, I do it for the people, I do it for the love of it. My people build pyramids of light and the filament. Our light is heaven sent. That's right, we intelligent. Better tell the president, the culture at his residence. What's going on? This is the Culture Podcast, TC's Drinking Water. We're staying hydrated. And we have a guest here with us because this is Black Principal. Prince of Pal, right? The, yeah, that's the it's name. Not, of it's it. like not P L E. This is the name. No, of it's P A L. It's P A L, but Prince Paul is like rules and shit. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Doctor Ariel. Ariel, hey. Ariel, hey. Thank you for having Hayes. me. Hayes. Yes. H e h a e h a y e s. Yes. Thank you. Can I'm you not spell? a doctor yet, but it's coming. It's on it. I'm, but I'm can you spell? Can you spell your last name for us? H a y e s. Told you. Yes. yes. Not, yeah. e. not the H-A-Z-E. And what's your social security number? I know. <laughs> not giving those last four. And also, can you please... <laughs> um, I'm not sure if I should say this, because um, I like to keep my personal life personal. And also, can you please turn off all alarms and cell phones? Funny I'm thing, I, I do want to share this with your guests, is that that was an alarm for my water because I want to stay hydrated too. So I really do apologize at, for my water and I, alarm. And I opened the show telling people that we're staying hydrated. Yeah, right. Have to. Because I'm up to a gallon a day. The synergy so is real. Just to make sure. Listen. My, I had a calendar alarm for this podcast. Excellent. A recording session time, 3 p.m. every Saturday. Every Sunday. <laughs> well, this one was for today though. Well, I'm glad. Well, I don't know what this three o'clock alarm was but, for. Them. But basically, everybody, what we're trying to tell you is to keep your alarms going because sometimes we need alarms. And this is the culture podcast. Right. But while yeah. you're listening to this podcast, turn all turn your shit off. off. And, and drink your water. And drink your and water drink while water. listening to this. And it can sit, be. Sit down, listen, and drink your water. And drink your water. So, boom. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, just really quick, um, I'm not glad. Only because you're my sister. <laughs> but I'm glad because you're a professional, a doctor, and you're my sister. Right. I love Let's that you keep putting that prophecy out Let's there, but I'm not a doctor. But I am. <laughs> I are. actually, I attended Life University. But Principal Ariel, didn't you just say you have to speak it? You do, right. but I don't want it to be misconstrued that I am saying I'm a doctor. Well, I'm, look, I'm but not. you just did surgery me on me yesterday. I know, right? I know. My boobs look great. They do look really good. <laughs> sister... Hi. Hi, baby it's, sister. Hi, because I miss that. Yeah, that's my baby sister. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really glad to have you here, me and T. Thanks. CZ, we're happy because you are our first interview for season 2.5. Excellent. Thank so, you for having me. Um, we're doing a segment, like we've done Creating Creations. We're exploring the minds and talents of, you know, independent black artists. Now we're doing like a professional, professional black professionally black a block of black professionals on the culture podcast and you're our first professional block professional i like first brick in the block you're the first brick in the block that's That's bars that's dope i can think of a rap song right now do it so what's going on can you tell us a little bit about who you are as a professional like 
what's your background? Where did you go to school and things like that? Yes, so I am a graduate of Colorado High School uh, from CMSD, Cleveland Metropolitan School District. Um, I came out in 2000. Mm -hmm. Um, After leaving there, I went to University of Toledo, Mm -hmm. where I was a double major for education as well as mathematics, Mm -hmm. um, which I was super excited. So graduated from there in 2004, came back to the Cleveland area, and at the time, Cleveland was not hiring for teachers. Um, It was Mm -hmm. right around that massive layoff that took place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started off in a charter school, ended up working in primarily Euclid City Schools, which is right outside of Cleveland. It's an inner ring suburb. Um, I taught math for five years. Um, During that time of teaching, I got my master's degree in administration. Mm -hmm. And um, after five years of teaching math, I became an assistant principal. Um, for five years, and I am currently in my fifth year as head principal in a Cleveland um, elementary school. Wow. So 15 dope. years in. This is my 15th year. Clapping it up. I know you guys are clapping, too. I'm just super proud. You know, I just get really proud. So what, you said you went to Toledo. Yes, University of Toledo. Go Rockets. Have it, go Rockets. Have you always wanted to be a teacher? Like, w- when you were a little kid, I want to be a principal. Was that always that thing, or... How did that, how become an educator? How did that come about? So I would say when I was in eighth grade, I went to Wilbur Wright in Cleveland and um, there were multiple, um, at the time, different trades and programs that were available. And so one of them was thematics, the thematics program at Coloma High School. And so because of that, um, it was a program about teaching, got into that program um, and we had a cohort an opportunity to learn what it meant to be a teacher. I actually had a chance to student teach while I was in the program, wow. um, still in high school. So that led to that. But I had some really great teachers. Um, my sixth, sixth grade teacher was the one that really showed me, like, you are pretty bright. And then from there, I ended up in the honors program and had some really great teachers in high school and just saw how they were making a difference for us. And I knew that education was the key um, to success. And so I had to go to college and to see um, black women that were leading that charge and being role models for that, it was something I felt like I could do and make a difference. Mm, Representation matters. Definitely. Can people just get hired on as a principal? Or do they have, like, can they just go to college, get their master's, and then start as a principal? Or do you have to, like, go through teaching first? I don't know if that's a dumb question. No, it's it's not not because I want to be a judge, but I don't want to be a lawyer, but you have to be a lawyer first. So, So no, it's definitely not a silly question at all. Um, So when I went to school, I I was under the impression that you had to be a teacher before you could become a principal. Um, But there is a level of education that you need in order to to segue into that role. Okay. Um, initially, I was told that it would take three years of teaching before I could become an administrator. And so that was a part of what I knew. But there are alternative ways now. If you have a degree um, and uh, you go into a district and they're willing to help you get an alternative license, there mm-hmm. are other avenues to become administrators now that weren't there just like becoming a teacher you don't have to go to college to become a teacher if you want to go that direction um there are other pathways that you can take in order sure, to do that, that. Well, sounds well, like you well, need well, a bachelor's degree in order to do as far as like you said you don't have to be, go to college to become a teacher. so say you go to school and get a four-year degree mm-hmm. um and decide in the process you want to become a substitute teacher and okay. within that time you find that you love this field and you want to do more with the field uh-huh. 
um, there are alternative pathways in order to get into the field. So you can okay. start off as a substitute teacher. There are tests that you can take in order to get endorsed and, and certified. You can go back and get your <coughs> master's degree in a, a field within education, so special education, general education, a particular okay. content or contents. So there are other ways. But say, for instance, you go to undergrad and that's not what you think you want to do. Or in some cases, people think it's not going to give them the money they want. So they're going to go mm. a different direction for money and then later decide, you know, I really want to pursue education because that's what I'm into. That's my passion. For there the children. For the ch and, and that's really good that you said that as far as like some do, people do it for the money. Um, Is just there just some quick facts? No, go ahead. No, just some quick facts. Um, 80 percent, 80 percent of teachers are white and 77 percent of teachers are white females so i guess my question would be to you is shout out to the children <laughs> shout out to the children because granted we are business women and women and we are professionals we also have little people that depend on us and they call they came us mommy out of our bodies and they they're actually here in the studio with us so if you hear little voices that's because we're going to future we're, we're teaching them that's yeah, your yeah. i think that's yours she's gonna be famous too yeah, yeah she is <laughs> so um, my, my question will be to you why do you think being you know that's, that's not a little percentage you know as far as like te you know the career yeah. teaching what are your thoughts like why do you think <clears throat> there are not more black people I'm not going to say women but black male or, or female who are not in you know the education you know sector of being a professional like what are your thoughts on that so I think it's Clearly, it's a, a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. I think primarily a lot of people go to college and have a misconception of how much money they're going to make when you actually graduate. Um, everybody assumes you're going to make a lot of money in, right with any that. degree as soon as you come out. And that's, that's generally not the case. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of fields that you don't just come out making fifty and $60,000. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. So I think... Um, being able to sustain your family and financially wanting to be in a good position, people don't go into the field. That is one of the things I would say. Right. The, uh, yeah, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, so, um, and in the news recently, actually mm -hmm. right now, uh, three states, teachers' unions had went on strike. The kids weren't able to start school on time because they're protesting against their salaries. Yeah. They feel like they're being taken advantage of. They're not getting paid well. They can't. They have to have second and third jobs Man, in order I, I, to survive. I saw that study yeah, yeah, all of the reports, and and that that is the case. So that's one part of it. Oh my god. The other part of it, though, is I think that when you get into the field of education, you're not just teaching content. Okay. And most people get in thinking I'm passionate about teaching. In my case, I was passionate about teaching math, or I'm passionate about teaching English. But that's not all that you have to do. Being yeah. in the field of education is not just teaching content. And so there are behaviors um, that could potentially arise within your classroom that you have to figure out how to work within that, how to support your scholars. And mm -hmm. so you can get them to be engaged in lessons. Um, and you have to be prepared to do that and have the growth mindset to know that every day is not going to be a perfect day. These are not your birth children how do you make sure you can help them have a good classroom that's going to be able to help you you know make sure they can learn mm -hmm. so i think education is really stressful people don't believe that mm -hmm. um it's not a daycare facility um and so there are a lot of factors that you really have to say i want to do this work 
and really want to put in all that you have to do it in order to mm-hmm. make sure you can help kids be successful because it's not easy yeah and with that do you uh, did you go through any like um behavioral education class or some like emotional how to provide emotional support did you ever go through any of those like going through school because you know being getting prepared to be a be a teacher clearly like you said is more than just teaching content did you work did your college or did you go ever go through any special trainings to so deal with that? in undergrad i took one class on special education that was mm-hmm. my field right so you had you scratched the surface of what it meant to deal with behaviors mm-hmm. um or emotional concerns and you you dealt with that in small segments within undergrad for instance and then even at the graduate level it was about maintaining an entire school so okay. you're dealing with the teacher side of it, the legal side of it, evaluations, like you're dealing with a lot of different pieces and parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have field experiences as well as a student teaching experience. And I had internships once I got to the, the graduate level, but really and truly you don't know until you're in there. Like mm-hmm. you, you can read every textbook, take every test, test the way you think they want you to test and still not, um, know it until you're in it like you have to be in the world of education in order to fully understand and embrace what it is that that's required of you so you you have somewhere with all but i don't think anyone is perfectly prepared in order to to deal with some of the issues and concerns you'll deal with on a day-to-day basis Yeah, because everyone will deal with them differently so it sounds like it takes just time and experience and developing your own process and coming you know developing your own mindset to be able to uh, appropriately handle the different issues that come up, you know, mm. socially, just, behaviorally mm. with the kids. Because mm. yeah. there's a lot. I mean, yeah, you I figure most classes, uh, right now my school is pretty small, uh, which is concerning because if you're too small, then that could potentially lead to closure. So that, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. But even when I started, and this is my fifth year in the same school, my teachers had anywhere from 38 kids and down. That's a lot of really? different personalities in one classroom setting. Wait, 38 kids in one class? In one class. That's not the case currently, but There's there are schools. There's people in my department at work. And so just imagine what, is, 38 children in elementary right. school that are trying to figure out like who they are as people. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't get enough rest, if you didn't eat well enough, if you haven't seen mom right. or dad, if you it's got a, a headache or, two, you know, like all these different things that we don't think about. And they're like, if your lesson was engaging, it would be okay. The benefit for me and in my life is realizing like real life happens and mm-hmm. how do I make sure I provide enough support to my teachers? That's something that's really important to me mm-hmm. um, because I, I see the nuances that we deal with every single day. And mm-hmm. I understand that life is not perfect. And um, just how can we help? You know, like right. how can we as a collective help the teacher as well as the students and clearly the students come first but if a teacher is stressed out then how are they going to be able to help the children that they serve every day so it's it's a lot of dynamics that go into it that you have to take into consideration every day because every day is a new day yes and that's a a key part in and being effective i believe so we you you've talked a lot about uh how a teacher in the classroom, you know, how it's challenging to deal, to be able to teach the content and also kind of nurture the children. Mm -hmm. Um, What is your, in that capacity as a principal, 
how do how how does that play out for you you're not in the classroom per se mm. um but as you know the head administrator of the building like how how does that affect you how do you you know how do you come to that uh responsibility so for me the the biggest part of my role is to provide support um i am the only administrator in my building and so that takes like no, on when you say only administrator you mean like no assistant or anything like i that. don't have an assistant principal okay. i have a dean okay. um shout out to dean cloud um shout out to dean and cloud. then i have a wraparound coordinator i have other roles um that support me within that but i there is only one person that evaluates teachers mm -hmm. so a big part of it is knowing what are the procedures for that process but then also like how do I make sure you buy into what you need to do as a professional on my staff okay. so a lot of it is me showing empathy in, in your professional life and in your personal life because I want you to know I care about you as an individual that's important to me right mm -hmm. as a professional um, so that care goes both ways. If your child, like a child in your class is having a rough day and you need some support there, then let's figure that out. I, teachers do need procedures and routines in place. Mm -hmm. But if you have those in place and somebody is just really having an off day, one of your scholars is, then how can we step in and intervene? Mm -hmm. um, and, and a part of that is empowering teachers to understand it, it starts and stops with them because if a principal or an administrator of any sort comes in all the time to pull kids out, it takes away their authority. So that's not my goal to go into your classroom and do that for you. But if you need support, how can we support you or provide whatever professional development to help you with that? Because the goal is to keep kids in the classroom. That's where the education takes place. Yeah. Um, the other thing, though, is me really helping uh, my staff pursue whatever their dreams may be. Some of my teachers want to become administrators and want to get into other roles. So how can I support you with that? Um, because I've had a teacher one teacher in particular who wanted to become an administrator she did her internship under me like how do I provide you with enough supports and enough experiences so when it's time for you to go out and interview like you feel like you're well-rounded and ready to take that on so a lot of it is about care a lot of it is about buy-in if you have a good idea let's work with it mm -hmm. let me be a thought partner with you around it um, and then let me support your dreams that that's those are the things that I believe I within my school I do a lot of management things that can be scheduling that can be a parent has an issue that can be stuff with the cleanings that you know just so many different things that I, I deal with and touch everything you're like the day. manager the, right of, of, the school. of the school but you General are the manager. manager but what's interesting is when I went to get my degree that was what I was taught the manage manager side of it yes. and education for us now as administrators has really moved more into an instructional leader okay. so although I feel good with those manager pieces I am learning as I continue to be in this role I'm supposed to be in classrooms that much more and it's mm -hmm. a juggling act to fit that in when anything could be happening two teachers didn't come today where are their kids gonna go for the day mm -hmm. there's a parent that's having an issue there's some other big thing that has to be done so it's about prioritizing time and figuring out how to get it all done within within the school day this is really interesting no i i this is a I, man i'm like quiet because I'm, so, I'm just so in, intrigued what do you how do you feel okay so another interesting thing about you is that you are a principal of the school that you actually went to is that true so i didn't go there but oh. we lived around the Someone corner from there yeah that's okay she's eight years younger than me so she doesn't know a lot about <laughs> what happened all those years ago but but it is a, a big to do that you say that um my school is probably three streets away from where i did grow up 
And so when people look at you and they assume that you came from the suburbs mm-hmm. and right. they think because you, you know, you carry yourself a certain way that you don't understand what they are going through or what they've been through. I tell my story. So we to live the children or the to the children. Teachers. I tell them my age. I tell the parents. I, I talk about not in depth or it depends on the situation or scenario, but I tell enough so they understand I am connected to the work that I'm doing. Right. And basically um, you can be where I am. Yeah. You, and I, I want come you to, from the I same want you to area see where I am. Right. right? Like right. this was all a dream. And so people I've heard it throughout the years. People joke and say, I'm living the dream. But in my real life, like I am living, living my actual dream. dream. Right. So that to me is like one of the dopest things that I've had to experience because you hope that you get there. You hope that you get to some place, mm-hmm. but it's like it's really happening. So I, I feel good about that. And and that's that's real because um like TC was saying, you, you and it's not necessarily a great area, it's, it's somewhat of a rough area, but you were saying that you worked out in Euclid. And to those of you who are not, you know, familiar with where what Euclid, Euclid is a a better area, um, a less urban area. Well, it's a suburb. Um, of it's Cleveland. a suburb. It's a suburb of Cleveland. So that's where you were. What made you? Were you always planning to to, to return to the or hood? You or like, is it a hood school? Yeah, it, it is. is definitely. It is. It's definitely. Is it so? The funny <laughs> thing, even with it being considered like a hood school, which is where I'm from, so it's no disrespect or slight. No. That's right, that's right. my that's where I'm from. Just a characterization. Um, and and I think the thing that's cool about it, on top of being in the area that it's in, my building is old, like 1920s old. AF. It, Ooh, yeah, antique. My son yeah. Loves so it was one of those things I, I was ready to transition into a principal role. It's so funny when you get so far in certain roles in your career. I remember people asking like, so when are you going to become a real principal? Oh Excuse me. I, I have a license to do this. I'm doing the work That's I'm supposed crazy. to do. People are but I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you. All those Nickies out there. Yeah. But the nice part about being an assistant, it prepared me because. Because I think that all great leaders truly do know how to follow. And I really learned how to follow and, and support someone else's mission before mm. I stepped into that role when for myself. An mm. um, and so when it was time and I was actually ready, which is funny because my son, at the time I had three kids, my son wasn't even one yet. I was like, the only place I'm applying is Cleveland. And I remember praying about it. And we have a disabled daughter, our second child. And I remember my husband saying, like, are you sure you don't want to wait till she gets better? And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if she'll ever get better. But this was something I was strongly feeling and wanted to pursue principalship as a head principal. And I applied in Cleveland. And a funny thing, I was a middle school math teacher, middle school, high school, excuse me, math teacher. And so I got my superintendent's license when I was pregnant with my second daughter. And that afforded me the opportunity to work in an elementary. I didn't work in elementary before. It was all new. Oh. So I knew I wanted to come Where back to Cleveland. Where were you working before? I was a middle, middle school assistant okay. principal. Um, and so I had experience coming to Cleveland. Cleveland is K-8. So I knew the middle school side. and I love middle school. And I fell in love with middle school over time. Um, but I wanted to see the elementary side because I had little children of my own. And I wanted to understand what it was like to have school-aged children in an elementary setting, and then how could I bring home. that home and vice versa? Like, how right. could I do that? And I wanted to be so. It was real personal. For you. I, this is Definitely. All, I'm loving this. So this is really you making that decision to go to an elementary school in Cleveland in the hood was really a personal. 
definitely. Connect, uh, that's dope because it, somebody can look, you know, on the outside, but she was at a nice school. They had AC, you know, they had this, that, and the third. They was given. They had books. Know, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think a big part of it, too, is when I came to Cleveland, I didn't technically, I wasn't making a raise by coming. Right. Right, so most people are motivated by money. Right. I like money. Don't get me wrong. I plan on being rich very soon. So okay. I don't. I don't know how this ready, happen, ready, but ready, ready, happen, ready. Right? But when I came, I needed the experience. I needed to come back to to home because it felt like coming home. And I remember saying that in my interview, I was coming home on the educational yes. side. Um, and you know, for me, like I live and work. I was living and working in the same city. I was a mile away from my home. Right. Yes, I'm not a computer. That is a fact. Right. So to be able to get to work so quick, and now I'm transitioning to somewhere that's not far from home, but it wasn't right down the street. It wasn't three minutes. Right. Right. There were things that I I made choices to do because I wasn't motivated by the money. I was motivated by the experience. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, if you're doing something you genuinely love and care about, the money will come. But you got to do it because you genuinely want to do it. I wanted to make a difference. And I wanted to make a difference from where I came from. And so I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going back home. And so that's, that's what happened. I had to interview to get the school. And if you're doing something, I'm just to quote, if you're doing, you said, if you're doing something you love, the money will come. The money will come. The money will come. Cause I know somebody that was doing something and they are, you know, trying to think about quitting their job Mm -hmm. to do something that they really love. And they ended up taking a leave of absence and I'm like listen stay encouraged because you are good at what you do and you're gonna do it and they were approved for their leave of absence to do a side job so they can do what they really love right yeah I think that's I think that's dope I don't know yeah the money will come (laughs) I'm just saying the money will come I I believe that firmly but understood the importance of the work I was doing and don't get me wrong like there have been challenges with going, for, for me, especially going from a middle school to elementary, it was a whole new world. I was like, what is happening here? I'm yeah. loud, is it louder? Things. Well, look, it's is just, it, it was the level, I'm a nurturer in general, but I had to become that much more comfortable with nurturing my babies at school because like I believe in hugs and my right. babies hug me and I hug on mm-hmm. them. You know, So it was different things that I had to see. How could I show them my care and concern and love for them and what it, how can I encourage them that much more to go into that classroom and do their best so it has definitely allowed me to grow as a professional as a person as a mom you know just mm-hmm. so many parts of this that have, have infused all together so to speak. And, and I guess jumping back um to what I was asking earlier about that training or that those classes as far as like emotionally support emo- emotional support for the teachers and how can they you know, take care of themselves emotionally and also provide that, that much more. I just think, I think something like that should be implemented. Even if you're like a teacher now, it should be like something that's in a professional development situation. Just because I've seen so many videos of these teachers, they get overwhelmed and they start cursing at the kids, calling the kids the N-word or hitting the kids. Or yeah. Like those absolutely. things, I feel like, I and feel then, like that should be implemented on an ongoing thing as a, as a, as a source of support, as a source of, education you know inform you hey some of these kids are different or these that and the third some of these kids have issues that have not been prescribed i mean uh, uh diagnosed mm-hmm. so you're dealing with potentially special needs children in a regular setting class you know i, Which, I just think well i want to like stop that. you there too because even when children do have special needs the goal is 
by law, technically, is to make sure in there every scholar is in the least restrictive environment. Right. So there are always going to be children that um, have an IEP that will be in a general education yeah, right, setting, right. Right? right? So we, we do have to be mindful of how to support children across the board. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, and I'm glad you brought up self-care. I think self-care is so important in general, mm-hmm. um, and that comes in a professional setting, but that is something uh, that you have to inherently right. want to tap into as well. Yes. Because I think sometimes, like in Cleveland, we are big on social-emotional learning. Um, mm-hmm. as well as if someone is having some sort of issue as a professional, we, we have a program that can support you with that too. Mm-hmm. A big part of it though, is sometimes people don't think they're having an issue. Mm-hmm. So you that's, have to be self aware in order to even recognize like I am feeling overwhelmed. I am stressed out. I do need some time for myself. So you, you should const all of us should constantly be talking to someone we trust right professional or not but that, yes, that's but, real but yes. figure out like how am i feeling right now because sometimes people are stressed out but don't acknowledge it and they hit that breaking point mm-hmm. at the wrong time wrong you know time. and take it out on the wrong person so i think it's something that um in any profession that you should constantly be aware of like how am i feeling today do i have a lot of work that is that has me bogged down are there other things i should be doing in order mm-hmm. to make sure i'm okay um, but you have to be self-aware in order to see that. Because I can tell you all day long, you have a problem, and you, it doesn't matter who it is. And you, I don't have a problem. I'm cool. I'm, good. I'm fine. Right. But I see you. But I see banging it. your head on this brick outside <laughs> every morning. I see it. And you have a big gash. No, I'm cool. That's just a, that's just right. a scratch. Hey, I see you holstering your fire on. Yes, uh, yes. As you <laughs> exit your vehicle, and Why? it doesn't make you weak. And I think that's a big that part of sh- it. I feel like it makes you stronger. It makes you so much stronger when you can mm-hmm. say like, I need time for myself Wait, to like recoup. Okay, right. Um, and if you if you're unaware or if you don't take that time, I think it just makes it it exacerbates because you don't realize when you need that stop moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's real. Now, what are what are your thoughts on the school shootings? So interesting um, topic. When um, I was in 11th grade, 11th, 12th grade. It's when those, years ago. I know, right? Yeah. It feels that way. <laughs> um, so, like, 1999, when those school shootings took place, and I was Cal- in 11th grade. Columbine. Columbine. Yes, that was the biggest one. The and biggest. that was when things shifted, right before I went to college. Wow, and so, nice. you go into this work, because I went straight to school in 2000, you go into this work knowing that it's a possibility that it could happen, even the location of my school, knowing that something could happen. Wow. But Maybe deciding that... that the work I need to do is greater than the fear I could potentially have. Mm. So in Cleveland, you know, we have um, metal detectors in schools and people say, why do you need them? Well, if that's one more safeguard that's there, it doesn't criminalize my kids. It doesn't criminalize my families. It does none of that, but it does say, Hey, like if you're coming in this space, don't come in here because, we're going to know that you we, have yeah. something. We would know right away. Bring don't bring any firearms or weapons. Metals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they I will be don't, detected. I don't worry about that um, at all mm-hmm. because, again, because I'm connected to the work and I lived in that same area, I'm glad that people showed up for me every single day. Right. Right. Like educators helped me decide that this was the work I wanted to do. So I just that's not something I, I stress about every single day. It's, it's a real thing. It's Clearly real, it's, it's happening real. across this nation. Um, and, and unfortunately people are taking lives and you clearly you don't get those lives back. Yeah. 
but the goal is to just do your best work every single day and make sure you in our district one of the big things is customer service and i, I believe in customer service even when i go to the store target Absolutely. what's up yes and treat so me nice you want to go AT&T, places where people treat you well on your job. Um, and we're not perfect at it but that is something that's critical to making sure families feel welcome mm-hmm. and so that's something we push every day now w- what are your thoughts also on teacher salary so i really don't have a hard stance on it um because i believe if you're in the field for a certain amount of time you're you're gonna continue to make mm-hmm. money over time um it is it saddens me when i hear about stories of people having to get multiple jobs in different states thankfully right. you don't hear that as much in this area not no, that it's not and those happening. states were uh like uh oklahoma washington texas like dc they were they marched in DC. They protested oh, in DC. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow. I th- I think it's unfortunate. I think that it would be great to to have higher salaries. I think that um, these are educators. I don't understand. Not to go off on a rant, but I don't understand why it has to. Why is it like that? Not trying to shout out any. I mean, not trying to down any other profession like basketball players football players there's entertainers which right. is great these are edu- they are people teaching our babies raising the future i just don't understand that i just don't understand why can't they be compensated over overly compensated they have to deal we just went over emotional mm-hmm. content educational social environmental Self-care. oh my god it's so much that How can a teacher you has to take endure. care of yourself when you have to work three jobs there, I, I can't even go into the that. Right, I can't fathom. So, the reason I say I don't have a hard press, I haven't done any research of my own in a, a long time um, about mm-hmm. it. But I do feel like it's such a great profession. It's so mm-hmm. rewarding. It is, and it would be great if people could actually make a wage that they feel comfortable with and, and be able to sustain their own lives. So. I want things to change. I just don't have a method as to to how that's supposed to take place. You mean you don't have the answer? I do not. (laughs) I'm open to not knowing everything. (laughs) (laughs) But really quick, TC, do you know what the, like, say they don't answer the pro uh, protesters or whatever you call it or, or they say okay yes we're gonna we're gonna w- raise it how does that process like how does it how do they make that this do you know how they make that decision well the striking was done through the unions the teachers union okay. so i am not sure exactly but um the way unions work my understanding is they have to negotiate with the school board yeah um if there will be if there are going to be any type of changes with anything regarding benefits, salaries, anything like that. So For their collective bargaining. Yeah. Agreement. That, that's how the deci- decisions are made. Mm. Then that, that's, that's, that's but what else. happens is when you don't have qualified educators in the classroom, those that have whatever certificate or have done the correct testing or whatever that looks like in the classroom, then you have people in front of your children that although they care or really want to do good work, aren't the most qualified individuals to teach your kids. Right, which leads to low test scores, which yeah. leads to less money being infused into the districts, less tax dollars. People are like, I'm not paying for, you know, and then p- there are uh, 
because that comes through the levy. Right. In case people are not familiar with how, how does that work, but people have to vote. In yeah, your go ahead and explain city. that because the elections are coming up, lots of levies yeah, on the ballots touching, in different areas. Yep. Yeah, so you have to, first of all, be aware, um, and I know that's not easy with our busy lives, but you have to be aware of what are these issues. They typically will come up, it'll be either a bond issue, um, which can be for actual buildings, it could be a levy that's dealing strictly with salaries. It could be a levy just for money for the district um, all the way around. Um, and and people get confused. They think if they vote yes for something to do with the schools, their taxes are going to go up. And, and that's not always the case. And most of the time, heard, it's I've not the case. Kind of, I've heard and then if you have a levy that's dropping off, like say the levy was for a certain number of years, and this is just replacing that levy, that's why they can say it's not going to increase your taxes. Okay. That That's where that comes from. Mm. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is, as a homeowner in a, in a school district, you want your schools to do well so you can bring exactly. more families to your district. If, right. if mm-hmm. the schools aren't where you want them to be, how do you entice people to come and live in your community? That's true. Right. So that's, true that's a big part of it, too. As a homeowner, I, I want my property value to, to be high. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so you want to have a, a good school system mm-hmm. or keep working toward being an even better school system because it's not a it's not an overnight process, although mm-hmm. we wish it could be. But it, it just isn't. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Sure. So basically from that vote, definitely vote in whatever you live area you live in you know and, and be at ed- educate yourselves be aware Just go to yeah, a town hall online. meeting yeah go you to know s- you know school board meeting city council. i want to get i want us to get back to being an open community like being okay with saying saying hello to miss jackson or saying hello to miss paula and talking hey my son I, i'm getting off late from work can you watch him as he walks home or, you know, just just that community vibe of, you know, knowing what's going on with the school system, knowing what's going on with the building, right. knowing what's going on in your community. I just feel like we've we've gotten away from that. Yeah, you know? people are in their own bubbles uh, these in these days and times. Yeah. And then I wanted to ask you also, being an educator in the same neighborhood that you grew up in, how, do you feel um, that the demographics or the dynamics amongst the students amongst the families in the area has that changed at all i know you were a student yourself right, you back were then bit, right. but do you feel like anything is different um in that arena so i would say when i lived in the in the community i work in now busing was a big to do and so the school i mentioned earlier was um wilbur wright i was actually bused to Wilbur Wright from okay. the area. So I was bused from the east side of Cleveland to the west side. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go to that, that neighborhood school. So one year I went to the school that was in a community empire, which has now closed. And then the following year I went to schools that weren't directly right in the neighborhood where I was at. Um, so I, I don't think the demographic has changed. What has changed, though, are the options that are available. And so um, there are multiple charter schools right around my school, which when I first got there, it didn't seem to make a difference in the number of scholars that I had. But over time, um, families have choice, and so they can choose to go wherever. So I have families that choose to go to a charter school, but then I also have families that move. Uh, we have a huge transience in our in our neighborhood. So a lot of families move in and out, um, which doesn't help stabilize the, right. the children that are there. So mm-hmm. going back to what you said, that, that sense of community, a lot of our families, col- like these days and times, don't stay where they stay 
for a long period of time. Right. So that that impacts a lot of different things. You don't get that sense of community when you're moving a lot. That's true. How do you develop trust with the neighbor or is the neighbor trying to help me? Is she trying to hurt me or, you know, right. what's happening? So that transience plays a huge part in, in what happens on a day-to-day basis for a lot of our families. Um, I have some kids that have been there since kindergarten. They go all the way through. But overwhelmingly, that's not what I see um, in the school. And like I said, this is my fifth you're there so i have a handful of kids that have been there from the time i started up until now but a lot of my kids are newer kids Mm -hmm. um so i think that plays a huge huge role when you when people don't stay um in the same space for a length of time but then that makes it even more important for the the staff at the school to be um strong you know um welcoming in new students all the time you have to you know have that energy about you to where hey we're here to help you we love you definitely not like oh my god yeah definitely right right right. you know why new kids oh my god new you know i gotta change up i gotta learn new things like like customer service in a way yeah customer service invite us yeah make make us feel welcome be a happy meal yeah Yeah. (laughs) they're they're definitely not real but they're make they do make you happy yeah so can you ex- oh here you comes ex- a child Hi. no hey little baby in the studio. with a shirt on that says how to be happy yes. okay i like that <laughs> that's a good one can you uh kind of not go into depth but kind of skim skim over what a charter school is and uh, the difference between a charter school and a public school and it's like so many schools now monasteries and saraceries so charter schools are public schools public dollars are used in order to fund charter schools so that's the misconception the difference is um for us it depends on who is basically the manager so to speak of that particular school so like cleveland is an overseer of multiple not a charter schools right so because there are a lot of you're talking about funding they're not a part of cmsd but Every charter school has to have an entity that oversees like what they do, whether it's just the legal side of like a lot of stuff, right. for instance. I, I don't Columbus. know all the, <laughs> I don't know. But 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 they need someone that they everybody needs someone to be accountable to. Right. Like, that's probably the best way to right. describe okay. it. And so there are multiple charter schools you that can't have that schools go out here just willy nilly. Yeah. So that's so the around. difference is the management, so to speak, quote unquote. And they don't fall on under every everything that cmsd does that doesn't mean that 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 charter school is going to do Montessori has been around for forever it's just a different way of educating um and charter schools have been around for a long time now but they they take some of the the dollars that go there um i think the benefit people want choice and people want what um they think is better and and one thing that our ceo um has stated was you know we want people to make cleveland their choice i agree with that like you should have choice and we we want you to make the choice to be with us um and i've seen that happen where people have left to go to charter schools thinking it's going to be greener pastures and it was like Boop. and yep they'll be right back and case so, in point i put my son in the charter school for his kindergarten year and i he is now a part of cmsd yeah because it was we not think, because we think we know right we think we we have a handle on it and and Truthfully, I think all of us want to do what's in the best interest of our children. Um, yes. For me personally, my my children um, go to a Catholic school. That was not the plan. You know, I can mm-hmm. remember doing my being an assistant. Like there is no way I would never. And the crazy thing is, 
when it was time to put my child in a full day full day pre-k program mm-hmm. because i'm a professional they were like well you make so much money you can't put your baby in here full day wow. but my baby needed full day care and i had an opportunity to take and i was willing to pay the tuition yeah. and and put my baby in um, a pre-k program at their school and fell in love mm-hmm. and knew the benefit of stability and not moving you know your children around a lot in education and so she started and we're still there because because it became a community that i didn't think i wanted but it became the right community for her and then for our family so i do believe people should have choice it doesn't mean i want to go teach in a different type of school because i sent my child there it just worked for my children that was what was in their best interest right Mm -hmm. so that was an eye-opener for me and realizing like people aren't wrong for making a choice just what fits your family right no, absolutely. So I, I firmly believe that. Sure. And I wanted to also touch on an issue that's a hot button issue, bullying in schools. And, you know, October is the national. It is. I, national bully. Prevention. Awareness, or, oh, prevention. Prevention. prevention prevention. Thank you. We, so please ask your question. I'm sorry. I was about to start responding without even knowing what you were asking. No. Uh, well, uh, I, as a, I have a middle schooler and, um, most recently i we haven't had any a lot of issues with bullying until this particular school year sixth grade um so uh it's shocking to me the things that go on uh not behind the scenes but just between the kids that teachers don't even know about because they're focused on content they're focused on keeping a calm classroom um but in the hallways in the lunchroom, in the bathroom. things go in the bathroom, on the bus, things go on that I hear about, and I'm, I'm disturbed, mm-hmm. and um, it comes down to it really is like bullying in many different forms. Um, I like to say bullying light, bullying heavy, but yes. nonetheless, yes. it's bullying, it's harassment, um, it's other kids projecting and picking on other kids. For whatever reason, most of the times it's something going on inside of them. That's what I tell my child. You know, it's really not you. They're dealing with something and they're just throwing it up on you. Yeah. But so how do you, how does that play out in your school? Like, what are you seeing in your school? And when there are issues, how do you deal with them? Um, and when there are when they're dealt with successfully, like, what does that look like? So I would say. um the biggest thing is making people aware that teasing is not bullying. Doesn't mean it's right. It just means that is not what bullying actually is. Bullying is about the pervasive, like it, it's constant, constant attacks. Okay. And it makes a child feel uncomfortable even going to school. Like that's a big part of what it is. Mm-hmm. So most times I will hear parents say, yo, my child's being, t- being bullied. It's like, wait, let's, let's, get down to the root of what's going on and what was actually happening. So we deal with all parts of that um, in a school setting. For us in Cleveland, we have NOW, um, Not On Our Watch, which is an anti-bullying program to get kids involved and make sure they become people that are going to support other children as they go through a Mm -hmm. lot of these issues and concerns. So basically not just the bullier or the bully. Yes. But but the child is being a victim. They're actually a victim. Victim. So the victim yeah. bully is not just dealing with those two pieces of parts. But the bystanders. It's, it's the okay. good. Yes, that's the word. Right. The bystanders. Okay. So yeah. a, a part of it is making your children aware of like what's appropriate behavior, whether it's happening to you, but also if it's happening to someone else. Mm-hmm. 
And a big thing for us is not jumping to wanting to use violence as a method to resolve it. Because that's a lot of a lot of my kids over the course of time is like, well, you keep messing with me, we're going to fight. Yes. But fighting doesn't actually stop the behaviors necessarily. So how do you get to the root of what it is and help kids on both sides understand, like, we don't have to be friends. Right. But that doesn't mean you have a right to bother another child just because you don't like them. We ain't got to mm-hmm. be friends. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't bother another child. So I would say there's no hard, fast way that it's dealt with. But a big part of it is kids feeling comfortable enough to either tell an adult at school or at home so that we can start to deal with whatever those consequences may look like for mm-hmm. the bully. Because Absolutely. a lot of times if you don't know, it, it, you can't do something about something you don't know. And I appreciate the fact that you noted that there are things that are going on that the teachers may not be aware of, not because you're not watching, right. not because you're not paying attention, but some of it is so sneaky. Right, and subtle. Yes, that you don't even know it's even taking place. Right. So you and have to be aware. kids are smart, and they know how to move around yeah. around adults. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So it's, it's the hope that children have a trusted person at school, but also at home, so that you can really deal with it because it's an everyday occurrence that, you know, that's happening in schools, across the board oh, yeah. um, but I will say that most school districts have taken a hard stance once they know that it is taking place there are, are certain uh, procedures and protocols that we have to go through because the information can even be reported to the state level if a wow. child is bullying other children so right. it is it is a big issue though and it, it has grown and I think the awareness of it has grown when we were kids it was people just you know, kids are saying being kids. kids being kids, but it's not kids just no, being kids. No, it's not at That's all. When Evil. you were pushing, you know, people to feel uncomfortable in yeah. their skin or even welcome in their in their own school because every child has a right to, to, be, to be alive. Like yes. there's kids taking their own lives because they can't take it. They don't want to tell their mom. They don't want to tell the teacher, and they're taking their own life. Yeah, it's right. scary because it they're really tired scary. of being bullied. That's it is scary. scary. Between one in four and one in three. U.S. students say they have been bullied at school. That doesn't make sense. Wait, what is it? <laughs> Where are I'm you reading from read stopbullying.gov, so it's the government website um, regarding the bullying statistics. Between one in four and one in three U.S. students say they have been bullied at school. That does make sense. So it's anywhere between 25 to 33% of kids have felt like they were bullied at some point. Yeah. Okay. And most oh, bullying happens in middle school. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Why would you say that is? Is it that, that because of that age that is a transitional period in life? It is a huge transition period for for kids. Um, we read some statistics. We have to do um, work. And actually, second grade is when it really starts. Second grade. Second grade. So I would say it that was jarring to me yeah. before my baby got into second grade and reading that information and just how – how do I show her that much more love during that this transitional time? Mm-hmm. Um, but middle school, I would say kids are really trying to figure out like who they are. It's Absolutely. like right around the time like you're either you are right before puberty or you have gone into puberty mm-hmm. and who are you and what do I like and not like and do I do I like boys? Do I like girls? Do I like you know like all these different all things they're trying to figure out. Um, so I think a part of it and people want to fit in. That's a big time for kids that really want to fit in. And make friends and, you know, they start pulling away from family, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to be around their parents so yep. much because they want to get more into these groups so they can feel like they, they fit in. It's, it's all about fitting yeah. in, though, yeah. And being, you're right, and being accepted. 
We have talked. Oh, go ahead. I think it. I was just saying. I think. I and I also think it. It starts at home too, in a way. Yes. Like you were saying, Ariel. How how can you be? How can you prevent or or assist the situation? Uh, beforehand or during or whatever the case how can you show more love how can you express to your child hey you can talk to me or you're beautiful you're handsome you look good I love that 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 the way you wear your hair. whatever I think it, it that helps you know it does as far as you know you know showing more love and like hey and not enabling the child to be you know feeling scared or feeling weird or feeling like they don't belong well it it does start in the home mm -hmm. but the kids who don't get that and then that goes back to they take it into the school and the teacher has to deal with that and then the other kids have to deal with that Mm -hmm. and um they don't have like the outlet or they don't feel comfortable enough or there's no one that they feel comfortable enough to release that energy that they're carrying and so they pound it out on somebody else. Oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you I got just really pounded excited. it out. You just pounded it out. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is. I mean, I'm. I'm really. I. I've actually learned a lot during yes. this this conversation that we're Shockingly, having. Shockingly, learning no. from the principal. Thank you. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Sure. No, I've learned. I've learned a lot. Soon to be doctor. Yeah. All right. Come on yes. now. Now, I, I wanted to say real quick. Mm-hmm. We've talked about a lot of heavy stuff concerning schools and technical stuff and business stuff. What is your, what are your top three joys and about what you do? My top three joys. Honestly, being able to see my kids over time. Like I am 36 years old. I've been an educator since I was 22. And so now when I'm in a community and I can be in different places and people are like, are, is that Miss Towns? That's my maiden name. Is that Miss Towns? Or did you teach here? And like seeing their growth over mm-hmm. time, like yes. that to me is magic. Um, being magic. in an elementary school right now and just being able to provide that nurturing for them, that really does my heart good. Yeah. Like that, that although I'm in an authoritative role, that they still want to be around me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is really cool like we have kids that want to come and have lunch or just hang out yeah. or you know that to me brings joy because although sometimes people think in this role you have to be hard and firm and mean like that's not my go to I don't want to be their enemy I want to love them where they are and help them grow mm-hmm. and I would say lastly the joy is working with a dynamic team like Okay. having yeah, a, a great do, team to a work great. with makes a huge difference and that's from all facets you like my secretary is amazing my security officer you know right. just all of these my teachers mm-hmm. all these other people you know the custodian the lunch people the you know all these different people play such a a, a, a big role in shaping the lives mm-hmm. of, of children mm-hmm. so to be able to work with a dynamic team every single day that does bring me joy because i i enjoy going to work um, and as much as I love my scholars, I love my team because they make it where I want to go to work. And when you work mm-hmm. with cool people, it makes you like, let's get up. All right, we got stuff to do today, but we're going to laugh and joke too. And it makes uh, makes for a, a great environment. Another know? thing I noticed, you refer to your students as scholars. Mm-hmm. Why is that? And what difference does it make? 
So when I first came to Cleveland, um, our CEO, CAO at the time, that was a big to-do that came from, from her. Now what's uh, CAO? Her name was Dr. Pierre Free. I mean, what the CAO? Oh, I apologize. Um, the chief academic officer. Okay. So she's over all of the schools. And that was one of the things I when I that. started okay. that, I you know, we call our students scholars. And it just puts a completely different vibe on on a learner when you call them a scholar I instead of just a student it, it just says a lot and over time i bought into it and realized mm. it made a huge difference yeah. okay. like i agree you all are scholars and this is that's the level the expect expectation i have for you that you are a scholar so yeah. that's where it came from but it, it was one of those things that i was like i i buy into this i believe this and yeah. so get my baby to move on mic. i buy into <laughs> this and i believe it so that that Shout made a huge, a huge yes a huge difference we believe yeah, I, when the I children are future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they, they possess. Especially she don't know it. No, because you know what? I, we sang that at my preschool graduation. Well, I sang, wow. uh, I believe I can fly. I believe no, I can fly. No, we don't condone R. Kelly. <laughs> oh, no. On no. this podcast. Ooh, ooh. No, I, it was a, re- <laughs> you're right. You really caught her it was, No, that ain't good. I was, no. I kind of went in right there. You did. No, it's but okay. that I, I'm, I'm just super excited. I'm like, I always say it cause I, I'd be, I'd be excited. But. Okay. Yeah. So really quick as we're wrapping up, because this has been absolutely amazing. Yes. What are your three principles of being a good principal? Y'all hear that? That play on words. <laughs> Give it up for Asia. So I think um, the three principles are to show care, whether that's care for others, self-care. That's a huge one. Um, The second one is buy-in. You cannot lead if the people that you have behind you or beside you don't believe in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So have buy-in. And lastly, continue to dream. Um, I think that dreams are important across the board Mm -hmm. from um the scholars their families the teaching staff myself and everyone else included so buy into people's dreams and know that people are passionate about things within the school setting but also outside of it and encourage that promote mm-hmm. that um and make sure people know that you understand the importance yeah that's dope well thank you so much for coming we had a great time this has been the culture podcast everybody make sure you keep dreaming make sure you follow drop a comment a rating all of the above. Peace and blessings, y'all. For my people, I'm choosing. I'm moving, I'm moving. We never losing. We move.